The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. That's right. Bear down, Bears fans. It's time for the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling a little feisty today, a little little frustrated, a little annoyed with what's been going on here the first couple weeks of the season, and I am really trying to not get down about this season and just, just kind of feel deflated about what has happened here the first two games, but the problem is, if you're trying not to feel deflated and you're searching for other emotions... The emotions you end up searching for and finding are those of frustration and anger, agitation. That That's what you're feeling. You can't sit here. There's no positive spins, really, to put on this team right now. Yeah, we can highlight a few things here or there, but it's not an overall positive spin. So that's where we are. So if we're going to not be deflated, we're going to be pissed off because it's really difficult to find anything else in between so we got a great guest today sylvie mark silverman of espn 1000 of course waddle and sylvie fantastic radio program he's going to be by here in just a few minutes plenty to get to with sylvie but before we get into sylvie here let's let's talk about what has transpired here after another rough loss this one 27 17 to the tampa bay buccaneers and Houston, we have a problem. And we have a problem. It's a multi-layer problem. This is not a black and white situation. This is not it's Luke Getze's fault or it's Justin Fields' fault. And if you think that, then we're, we're going to have an argument. We're going to have a conversation because the bottom line here is it's both their faults. It is not black and white. And it was the same thing going back to Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky. Now, I got in plenty of arguments, and I was fully more in support of Matt Nagy than I was in Mitch Trubisky those last couple of years, and I will admit that I probably put too much of it on Mitch and not enough of it on Nagy in those later years, especially kind of looking back on it. But again, 
there was no argument that there wasn't a gray area that both of them were contributing to it. And if you were a, you know, Mitch Trubisky is being doomed by the Bears guy, or if you were a, you know, Matt Matt Nagy is going to be a great offensive play caller if he had anyone other than Mitch Trubisky, you're, you were both wrong. There was gray area. There were things Nagy needed to do better. There were certainly things that Mitch Trubisky needed to do better. Now, we fast forward to 2023. Justin Fields has to get better, and Luke Getze has to get better. They are one in the same here right now. These are the two that are going to make the offense go, and what is transpiring right now is unacceptable. First, a couple things on Luke Getze. He's still a mess. I think the play calling was maybe a bit better, a bit better than it was against Green Bay, but certainly not where it needs to be. And, and, and let's just say, I don't know if it's execution. I don't know if it's play calls. I'm not sure what's going on. But on two different occasions, we saw pass routes where two players lined up right next to each other, ran the identical route, and were basically on top of each other. And at one point, the ball was thrown that direction, and, and that's why, you know, towards the end of the game, and it caused a problem because nope, you didn't know who the ball was going to. Komet thought it was going to him, and he, he jumped up for it, deflected the ball because it was a sloppy play design. The worst one, however, is the screen at the end of the game that resulted in the Shaq Barrett pick six. I mean, what are you doing, Luke Getze? What are you doing? All right, there's penalties. They happen. Call a new play. I don't care if Khalil Herbert got some yards. You're like, oh, so that this play is going to work. No, it's not. It's like Tecmo Bowl. If you're old enough and you played Tecmo Bowl way back in the day, and there are only four plays. And if the defense and offense called the same play, you know, the defense called coverage for the one of the 25% chance, the play couldn't go anywhere. And that's basically what you were doing. You just kept hammering the same button on the video game controller. And finally, the defense figured out what you were doing. This isn't quantum physics. It was pretty much straightforward. Levante David, after the game, basically laughed and was like, oh, they're lining up in this exact same formation again? Oh, yeah, they're running the same play. Shaq Barrett's no dummy. He just dropped back and, and took the football. It was that simple. It was just because of idiotic play calling from Luke Getze. There was nothing Justin Fields could have done about that. That's not like he could have taken the ball into his own hands. It's a screen. It is what it is. There's, there's, no, there's nothing else to be done there. So Luke Getze needs to be smarter about doing things. Play calling and execution on second and long. I mean, every time there was a crappy play call that went nowhere, put the Bears in a third and long, and they could not convert. They could not convert. I, I, I put out a, a stat that I, I think it was 13 times the Bears had second and long. Eight yards or more, seven yards or more. doesn't matter because I think all of them happen to be eight yards or more. 13 times. On, I believe it was six of those occasions, they gained three yards or more. That's it, just three yards or more. And on those six occasions, because they gained three yards or more, they either got the first down on the second down or they got first down on third down. Kept the chains moving. The times they gained two yards or less, basically a play that went nowhere, and I think one yard or no yards were the best outcomes on those bad plays. 0 for 7 on third down. They had to punt. One time they were in field goal range, so they settled for a field goal, or there was a turnover because Fields is trying to force the ball on third and long. So if you put Fields in third and long right now, he is not executing. He's not getting it done. you got to give him third and short. 
less than five yards. You give Fields less than five yards on third down, he's going to be lethal. Because at that point, he can look for the big play down the field if it's there. He can look for the quick dump off if it's there. And if neither of them are there, he can take off and gain five yards pretty much anytime he wants when he runs the football. That's all we needed to do. And yet, here we are as a Bears franchise that, again, can't figure out how to work the chains down the field and work the ball down the field offensively. It's very frustrating. But again, it's not all on Luke Getze. It's on Justin Fields. Justin Fields is leaving yards on the football field and doing it regularly. He did not run at all against Tampa. Three yards rushing when Baker Mayfield had 17. Baker Mayfield doesn't run. That's ridiculous. Was that Justin being gun shy about taking off? Was that the game plan? Who knows? But that's not Justin Fields. Justin Fields needs to run the football. He needs to use his athleticism to threaten a defense. That's critical. Justin Fields missed some wide open guys. I have seen the all 22. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen clips that have been put out on social media. The Roshan Johnson play on the, on the halfback scene, wide open. And Justin Fields held the ball for six seconds and got sacked. What is happening there? DJ Moore, wide open. Chase Claypool, wide open. There were opportunities, not just opportunities to get seven or eight yards, opportunities to get 20, 25 yards. And Fields couldn't get it done. He is not playing well. He is not playing well in between the ears. Something's going on there. Is he overthinking? I don't know. But Luke Etsy and Justin Fields need to figure some things out and they need to figure them out quickly. Forget the Kansas City game. It's over. That, that, that is over. 0-3. Oh there, there is no point to even pretend to have a conversation about that game. They have zero chance in that game. I believe when they did spreads for the entire season that the Bears were a nine and a half point underdog before week one. I believe they are now 13 and a half because there is no reason to think the Chicago Bears can compete with Kansas City. Best case scenario, they lose by like 10 points, right? Best case scenario, they lose like 37 to 27. I mean, I saw the stat and I, I did not realize this. The Chicago Bears have, with this 12-game losing streak, have given up 25 or more points in every game. Matt Eberflus, you are a defensive coach. What are you doing? Holy cow. That is pathetic. That is, we go back to Mel, forget what Mel Tucker, you know, shame on him for what he's done at Michigan State. But when Mel Tucker was the defensive coordinator here and the Bears were making historically bad defenses and, and allowing back-to-back 50-point -back games and all the horrible stuff that that defense was with, with, with Mel Tucker. We're, we're kind of there with Matt. 25 points or more in 12 straight losses? Are you kidding me? And, and here's what I will say about this defense. I mean, you have invested five of your first six picks the first two years. Ryan Pulse, the first two years here, in the NFL draft, he has invested five of the six picks on the defensive side of the ball. I'm talking about Gordon, I'm talking about Brisker, and I'm talking about Dexter, Pickens, and Stevenson. You know, Darnell Wright being the other one. So they are fully going in, building up this defense. Beyond that, what have they done? Their biggest free agent acquisition, Tremaine Edmonds. They spent a pretty penny on TJ Edwards. This defensive line stinks 
But again, you've got two day two rookies on this defensive line. You've got, you know, all right, Billings and Jones are lower level signings and Billings is playing well, but you've invested in Demarcus Walker. You spent money on Yannick and Gakwe. They have spent at every position, basically, except for Sam with Jack Sanborn. That's basically it. Everything else on this defense is it has a level of investment. And this is all Matt Eberflus can do. This is the great Matt Eberflus, the defensive mind that we wanted to bring to Chicago. And I don't care if the defensive line is poor still. There is enough talent on that defense to not be embarrassed. And they are still being embarrassed. I'm not saying this should be a top 10 unit, but they should stop being embarrassed. And, and they continue to play like crap. Their third down defense is pathetic. Opposing quarterbacks who are Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield have a near perfect passer rating. That is pathetic. That is embarrassing. That is unacceptable from this defense. Period. End of story. The offense is a joke, and I get that. But we as Bears fans are used to an offense being a joke. I mean, how many times has the offense not been a joke in our lifetimes? Depends on how old you are, but not very often. I mean, you're talking about, and forget when the, the, the scoring is higher because Devin Hester has 80,000 special teams touchdowns or the defense has 80,000. That doesn't happen very often. The Mark Tressman offense in 2013, that offense had some scoring. The Eric Kramer offense in the late 90s, if you're old enough to remember that, that had some scoring. It's not happened very much. And even in the mid-80s when the, that offense was scoring points, a lot of it, again, was defensive touchdowns or the defense giving them a short field. So we're not used to seeing a good offense, but we are used to seeing a good defense. I'd like to get to the point where we can live in the modern era of football and have a good offense. It would be a nice change of pace. But until we get there, this defense, for what Matt Eberflus is supposed to be, he sticks. I thought the play calling was better than what Allen Williams did in week one. But regardless of that, he stinks. I don't see any reason to have Matt Eberflus as this coach in 2024 right now. I do not. I don't think he's a good CEO, and I don't think he's a good defensive coach. 0 for 2. I don't know what else Matt Eberflus can bring to the table. If he's not doing those two things, I don't think there's anything he can do. Not to mention the staff he hired, Luke Getze and Allen Williams. We'll just look at the top. We don't need to worry about positional coaches. His two key lieutenants both stink. I don't know what's going on with Alan Williams personally. I hope everything's okay on a personable level. But what Alan Williams did in week one was terrible. What Alan Williams did last year was not good either. Now, again, he didn't have the talent on the field. But what Alan Williams did for the last 10, 12 games of the year last year was bad. Period. End of story. Luke Getze stinks. Hasn't shown any signs of being good at his job. And again, we're sitting here going, we keep hiring offensive-minded coaches that don't call plays. Luke Getze had never called plays. And now we see he's a crap play caller. Matt Nagy had never really called plays. Played calls, did a little play calling. The end of his tenure there in Kansas City, but wasn't a play caller. Stunk at calling plays. Could we hire a play caller? Is that that difficult to do? Someone that actually has, has had a level of success at the NFL. Because we're sitting here in a situation where whether Justin Fields is here or not after this season, and it's certainly up in the air right now. There is no reason to think it isn't. 
The bottom line is there's no reason for Matt Eberflus to be here. There still could be a reason to have Justin Fields here. His athleticism and his dynamic playmaking ability, which I hope will return soon, that's enough of a reason to keep him here if you can't land another top quarterback. But there's no reason to keep Matt Eberflus here. Now, the McCaskies, they don't have a lot of money because their money is the asset that is the Chicago Bears. So they don't have a lot of money. So are they going to sit here and voluntarily eat three years of Matt Eberflus's contract? I don't know if they will. Again, I've said this multiple times. Mark Tressman is the only coach in Bears history to be fired with two years on his deal. Everyone else has been fired with expiring contracts or with one year left. That's it. Matty, uh, uh, Mark Tressman had two years. Now you get Eberflus. No one knows the contract details there. Maybe it's only four years, but that's highly doubtful. The standard for NFL coaches has become a five-year deal. So with that in mind, you'd have to eat three years of Matt Eberflus's deal. Even with offsets, that's going to be over $10 million that you're going to have to pay out to Matt Eberflus. I don't know if George McCaskey's want to do that. Now, Kevin Warren, that's the wild card. How much is Kevin Warren? Can Kevin Warren go into George's office, sit him down and be like, George, do you want to win football games? Do you want to be a successful franchise? And of course, George will answer yes. He goes, then you need me to run this, this team and I need to fire the head coach. And it's a sunk cost. We need to pay out the contract. If Kevin Warren has that kind of power, God bless, because that's what the Bears have needed for, 20, well, for 30 years, really. They've needed a president who understands football and can make these type of executive level decisions. Ted Phillips didn't have that ability. George McCaskey doesn't have that ability. In theory, Kevin Warren does. He has been around big organizations, successful organizations. The Big Ten, for whatever, if you are a critic of the Big Ten, that is a powerhouse in college athletics. He has been a part of that. The Minnesota Vikings and the stadium he built. Minnesota Vikings are a well-run organization. That team has winning seasons most seasons. He was a part of that. Kevin Warren should know how to run an organization. George McCaskey doesn't. So hopefully he has that type of power. Because I'll tell you what, if we bring in another former executive to run a search for GMs and head coaches, I swear to God, they did it in 2015 with getting when they got Ryan Pace and John Fox, they did it with Ernie Acorsi. And Ryan Pace did not pick John Fox. The Bears said, we're going to pick a young GM. We want an experienced head coach to go with him. So they said, Ryan Pace, if you want the job, John Fox is your coach. And the first chance he had, he threw John Fox under the bus and got himself Matt Nagy. Now, we know the saying, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat their mistakes. It did not work with Pace and Fox. Now we fast forward and... You know, reportedly things are a little different. I did check on this and did get confirmation. So again, this is how this went down. Bill Polian gets put in charge of the search. Bill Polian starts looking for coaches and GMs at the same time. Does not do the traditional. Look, this is how this should work. You go out and hire a president. You knew Ted Phillips was on the way out. You should have been looking at a president before before you brought in polls, before you brought in Eberflus, you should have been looking at the new president then. You hire the new president, the new president hires the general manager. That is how you structure a successful organization. The Bears don't do that, right? 
The Bears do things backwards. It's how Justin Fields was in a totally new regime in year two. Things that don't happen, but the Bears do it because they bear things up all the time. Now, they do this situation where Polian does this. Polian finds the GM. They say, all right, let's do it. Let's hire Ryan Poles. All right, let's find the head coach. Well, Bill Polian's only done all his work on the head coach. He goes, I got my buddy Jim Caldwell. I want him to be a finalist because he's my buddy. There's no other reason Jim Caldwell was the finalist for this job, one of the three finalists for this job, other than the fact that he and Bill Polian were in Indianapolis together. That's it. There, there were no other reasons for that. Jim Caldwell's basically out of the league. He was on the verge of retirement. You've got Dan Quinn. And I get that what he's doing with that defense, but Dan Quinn has already failed. He's already a retread. It doesn't mean he won't be successful. Bill Belichick was a retread in New England. Of course it can happen. But the bottom line is you are getting, again, a defensive coach, which I, I do not like, and a guy who's already been fired at his job previously. And then you get Matt Eberflus, again, with Colts ties. Bill Polian, good job. Colts ties. Okay, so that's it. So... Bill Polian does this whole search, he finds Ryan Poles, and then he says, here's my three finalists for the head coaches. And Ryan Poles, I don't know what the conversations were like, how much influence was Poles able to get? We heard reportedly that Ryan Poles got to pick from those three guys. Well, I'll tell you what, that finalist list is crap. You know, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dayball, and I get Dayball was kind of tied at the hip with Shane, Joe Shane, who's now the GM in, in New York. But they didn't get... You know, Mike McDaniel wasn't even interviewed. Now, again, could George McCaskey and Bill Polian, would they even have gotten McDaniel? Would they even have understood McDaniel? He's a, he's a different cat. I don't know. But I've digressed here a little bit. Getting back to the original point, the Bears do things stupidly all the time. Kevin Warren is here to hopefully stop them from doing stupid things. So here we are after two weeks, and I'm talking about how they need to bring in the new head coach because I can't see Matt Eberflus being good at this. And I've already started sitting there. I'm like, what are the win thresholds where Eberflus stays and Eberflus goes? If they can get up to 7 and 10, Eberflus stays. 7, 8 wins better, he'll stay. My thought is 4 wins or less, he is gone no matter what. There is nothing that can be done to save his job. If you have won seven games or less over two years and all this was invested into the team on the field this year, you need to lose your job. It's the five and the six wins that, you know, I think it'll be kind of how did they get to five and six wins? Did they start off the year 0 and 6 and then go 6 and 5 down the stretch to finish? And fields look better and things, that's, you know, that maybe, you know, how, how does the team actually look with those five or six wins? That's the question to me. Like the Matt Nagy 8-8 eight and eight team that made the playoffs in, in 2020, they stunk. We all knew how bad that Bears team was. They just somehow got their way to eight wins. That was a bad eight-win football team. Those kind of things happen. So can they be a five or six win team that never got their footing? Absolutely. Can they be a five or six win team that got their footing and started playing really well, kind of like the Detroit Lions did at the end of last year? Yeah. So that, that's kind of where the question is for me on Matt Eberflus. But the rest of this, I'll tell you what, this is a giant mess. They're about to be 0-3. 
Then we're going to see what Matt Eberflus is made of. Because he's, again, he's not winning this one. I'm not even worried about it. So Matt Eberflus is going to sit here. He's going to have Denver. He's going to have winnable games here coming up. Washington. He's going to, you know, the Raiders. There are winnable games coming up on the schedule. He needs to start having this team compete and win these football games. Now, not all of them, but he's got to win some of them, or he is going to lose his job. A couple other thoughts before I get to Sylvie here coming up here in just a couple minutes. Want to comment on a few individuals on the offense and the defensive side of the ball. Let me start offensively and say Cole Komet. I'm frustrated with Cole Komet. Blocking is not great. Again, Cole Komet got paid. Everyone kind of knew Cole Komet was going to get paid, but Cole Komet is not a difference maker. He is a cog. That was the argument to not pay him. He's not a guy, you know. Now, again, I think Poles probably thought the the potential was going to continue to tick upwards. I didn't buy it. I didn't love that. I resigned myself to the fact that he was going to get re-signed at a hefty price. But Cole Komet, not really coming out of the gate, looking like a guy that the Bears are, are all shaking hands and patting themselves on the back for giving a lot of money to. On the offensive line, Darnell Wright, still up and down. But again, more ups than downs now here in week two. Saw a little improvement from Darnell Wright, and they are not giving him a lot of help. I thought they were going to give him a lot of Mercedes Lewis help early in the season. They've kind of left him on an island. He's done pretty well. Jatiri Carter, I thought from what I've seen, looked pretty good on tape here. You know, looked like a guy who can hold his own, do what needs to be done. There was a play or two where Vita Vea kind of ruined him pretty good. That's going to happen because Vita Vea is awesome. But overall, I thought he played pretty well. Is he a starter level piece eventually? Maybe be a low end starter on an offensive line. But regardless, I think he's a really good internal piece. They definitely need to get him some work at left guard. I don't know if they're doing it at Hallis Hall. He needs to get some left guard work. He should be a primary backup at both those positions. Nate Davis obviously didn't play. And here's what I'll say about Nate Davis. And I held off as much as I could on, on, on discussing Nate and what's going on with him because I didn't know. And again, I know, I, I mentioned this to Dan Meehan in the postgame show. I'm the one that put out the tweet about Mike Vrabel not liking him. And I stand by that tweet. And, you know, that tweet got picked up by a lot of different outlets all across the country, in, in Tennessee and in Chicago. Nobody seems to be arguing that that's the case. That's not the case, I should say. So I stand by that tweet. But again, I don't know all the specifics that went into that relationship. I, I got some you know, hints at what it might be, but not specifics, which is why I didn't give specifics in that tweet. So fast forward here to the summer. Nate Davis is barely practicing, not doing preseason. Bears fans are all over him. And that tweet kept getting recycled and recycled and recycled. And, and at most I said, I said, and maybe this is why. Maybe this is the situation, but we can't speculate. We can't guess. We don't know what's going on with Nate Davis. So some of us jumped on him. Some of us didn't. And to be fair, he shouldn't have gotten jumped on. Got some heavy stuff he's going through personally. But let me just say this to the Chicago Bears. Help the guy out. If he doesn't want specifics about his situation, pull Adam Johns or Brad Biggs aside. Be like, look, even if you don't give him the specifics, Nate Davis has a very 
serious personal matter that is impacting him. It's taking him away from the team at times. It's affecting him mentally and emotionally. We are helping him through that. That's all you have to say, because you know what's going to happen? Brad Biggs' column, Adam John's column, Hogan John's podcast, they're going to work that in. That's going to get picked up. That's going to filter out to the fans that Nate Davis is going through something very serious. Not Nate Davis mispracticed for a personal reason or for a personal matter. That's not enough. That makes it sound like you're ignoring the situation. You're blowing it off. Help give a little information to help from this rampant speculation going out of control like this. The Bears could have helped out Nate Davis and themselves a lot, and they don't do it. Because again, the Bears do things the wrong way all the time. Uh, You know, a couple other thoughts here. Braxton Jones. I'm a little alarmed at Braxton Jones here. And I get that PFF is saying he he looks pretty good out there and all. And, And again, you see plenty of good, solid blocks and reps from Braxton Jones when you go back and watch the tape. But he is getting, I feel, burned maybe as much or a little more than last year uh, on some bad reps. And, of course, the penalties are out of control right now. And to me, usually, when you're getting clusters of penalties, it's because you're getting outmatched a little bit. He doesn't have a great anchor. He does get pushed back pretty far. I think there's issues with Braxton Jones. I'm not saying he needs to be cut. I'm not saying he's absolutely going to get replaced. But he needs to get his feet on solid ground because right now I don't like what I see from him. You know, Chase Claypool, I think we got to talk about Chase. The effort was definitely better, but the Bears are still asking him to do things he's not good at. You know, just let Chase, put him in a position to succeed as well, Luke Getze. Some of this is on you. And why is Equinamia St. Brown not playing? If you want to keep running screens and, and doing this kind of thing, Put your best blocker on the field at times. You want to complain that you're going to telegraph things too much? Well, you're telegraphing them anyway because Chase Claypool doesn't know what he's doing and getting penalized, and you're running the same screen three times in a row. So if you're going to telegraph him anyway, you may as well have your best best you know personnel out there to try and execute the play. But we're going to keep, you know, why was Valus Jones activated? So he could watch some kicks sail over his head and then run one woeful gadget play on offense. It was that was pointless. Put someone out there who can actually make a positive impact on the game. So again, and the last thing I'm gonna say, can we hand the ball off a little bit more? I'm all for a modern passing attack. I've been screaming to have one for years. But they're they're suddenly basically abandoning the run. 15 attempts by running backs per game, the first two games. When Matt Nagy averaged 22, Matt Nagy put the ball in running backs' hands 22 times a game. Bears fans were screaming that they weren't getting enough ru- you know, rushing attempts per game, and he was too reliant on the pass. Getzies down to 15. So how about we run the football a little bit and balance this out a little bit? It's like they're telling Fields, you're going to have to throw the ball every down. Why? I don't know. So a big mess here. A lot of issues right now, and damn it, I just don't see it getting better anytime soon. We'll ask Mark Silverman if he thinks it's going to get better anytime soon. I have a feeling he won't, but we're going to ask him next. This is Bears Banter. Bill Zimmerman we will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into the podcast. Excited for this guest. He comes on every year. We always have a great conversation and we get into everything from on the field all the way up to McCaskey. And I have a feeling we're going to do it again. He is Mark Silverman. Of course, you know him better as Sylvie from ESPN 1000, host of Waddle and Sylvie. And he's at Waddle and Sylvie on Twitter X. And he joins me now. Sylvie, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? Hey, Bill. Always a pleasure. Wish we had a better... Uh... A better Bears game and a better Bears season so far. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the problem is is being Bears fans. We have to discuss Bears seasons, and there's just there's not too many. I mean, I I, I put out a stat earlier today on Twitter that the the last time the Bears had back to back winning seasons, Joe Thomas, Darrell Revis, and Calvin Johnson were not drafted yet. Oh. And of course, those guys have had entire careers five years out of the league and have been inducted into the hall of fame. That's how long it has been. That's we got to go back to the lovey super bowl years. That's the last time the bears had back-to-back winning seasons. And certainly it doesn't look like they're going to get the front leg of it this year. G- give me your reaction kind of on the, the first two games here, where you were going into the season and where you are now. Uh, I'm shocked. Um, the optimism, I, I, I guess in, in some regards, I'm shocked in some regards. I'm not. Uh, the optimism was overflowing and I loved it. And there was a lot of reasons and a lot of realistic reasons to be optimistic for the Bears. I felt like for the first time in a long time, the organizational flow made sense. I considered this to be the most important offseason in Bears history, really, because, you know, you had a president who was going to look to see if he could build a new stadium. It's just a matter of, of where and when, not if. Um, we had a young quarterback who we were hoping could take a giant leap forward, and I don't think that it was unrealistic to think that he could not take a, a giant leap forward. You had a young general manager who was rebuilding the roster, um, and you had a quarterback who is a for-sure Hall of Famer who is leaving the division, and the division was wide open. So... I think there were so many reasons to look at this season and to be optimistic. Um, and then it just went splat right, right away against the Packers. Uh, like there were many things that you could have walked away from that first game and said, okay, fine, they lost the first game, but there are things to build upon. You didn't walk away from Soldier Field in that game with any of those, of those hopes. And I said today in our show, 
coming away from the Tampa game that if you had told me there was one team and this was a few, like whether it's a few weeks ago or whether it was in the off season and this was my vision in the off season, that there was one team that had a quarterback that looked sort of helpless and a team that looked sort of hopeless. Um, I could imagine it. And then another team that would play really, really well and look like that they were they were a surprise team at two and zero. I would have guessed the hopeless, hapless team was the Bucks with Baker Mayfield with right. his trajectory going down and a Bucks team that was almost trying to lose after Tom Brady and a Bears team at two and zero with the trajectory going up. But lo and behold, here's the Bears at 0-2. And, 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 and sure enough, Baker Mayfield is outplaying Justin Fields by a mile and just like putting together one of his better games of his career against this Bears defense. And it just is, you know, it's it, we've done this podcast here for a couple of years. I've done the show with Waddle now. We're going on 17 years in wow. February, and we've we've had too much practice on shows like these, where where we're just where it boggles our mind. And I just wish we can start talking about some sustained success, but I don't know when that's happening. I, I don't know when it is either. And and it's not. And what's so frustrating, Sylvie, is it's not just one thing, right? I mean, that you can point. I mean. We're going to get into Getsy and we're going to get into Fields because obviously that's that's first and foremost. But there are so many problems between preparedness with with Matt Eberflus, between you know the defense on third downs. Quarterbacks are basically they they're nearly perfect with cute with passer rating on third downs. It's you know it's Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love, and I know Love's had some good statistics. Matt Lafleur, bravo by the way. How how good is he at his job? But. You know, if you, if you like PFF grades, Jordan Love is way down at the bottom because he's had a lot of Aaron throws and stuff. This isn't like they've started off against Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. They have started off the season against Jordan Love and Baker Mayfield, and they have made them out to look like superstars. And when you have week three with Patrick Mahomes with a big wad of cash now in his back pocket, he's going to want to show the world that that was no fluke and not that we, anyone thought it was. But this Chiefs team is probably not happy with how they've played the first two weeks. They're going to look at this game as a get healthy game. And I am concerned that the Bears are going to be in a world of hurt on Sunday. And I said today on the show, I'm going to write a column about it. I read a column now for Shaw Media. And um, my theme this week is uh, F the football gods because they're playing a big prank on us. <laughs> We're kind of realizing that maybe – we don't have the right guy, and I have been so bullish on Justin Fields these last couple of years. Who do we have lined up to play the Bears this week? Oh, it's Patrick Mahomes, the guy that the Bears should have and could have had. Right. I mean, the timing of this is ridiculous that just as we're talking about, oh, is did we get this wrong again with Justin Fields and the coach that drafted Justin Fields and then a lot of input, He's on the other sideline. And, oh, on the other sideline also is the quarterback that we could have had. And, oh, by the way, 
it's the first game he's playing with a new bag of money after they renegotiated his deal. It's just blowing yep. into there at, at this time. It's it's like I mean, if we don't we don't need another kick in the nuts. Like we we've, we've gotten enough. <laughs> And this game's rolling around at just the worst time possible. Yeah, it's it, it's not one you're looking forward to. And, and that's what's so frustrating because I was, you know, so many of us had so much positivity going into the season. And I did not think the Bears were going to make the playoffs. I, I didn't. I thought seven, eight wins was where they were going to end up. But I thought it was going to be a lot of fun. Like, yeah, I'll kind of go back to 2012, 2013. The 2012 Bears went 10 and 6 but they were kind of boring. No one really believed in them at all. The 2013 Bears, the first year at Tressman, forget 2014, the first year at Tressman, they were actually worse. They went 8-8, eight and eight, but it was a lot of fun. We were not used to having an offense that could score 31 points like this team was doing and putting up 400 yards of offense and the things Mark Tressman actually was able to accomplish that we forget about because the 2014 was so bad. So that was kind of what I thought this season was going to be. We were going to grow with Justin Fields. He was going to make mistakes, but we were going to have a lot of fun along the way with a lot of explosive plays, an offense that we hadn't seen in a long time. And we're just regressing back to a, what we saw a lot last season. I know they did a better job getting the ball to DJ Moore. Chase Claypool has been one of the worst trades in franchise history. He's not the worst. Some people want to say that. I mean, that Rick Meyer trade to me, that's the one that always sticks out to me. He had already failed and the Bears gave up a first round pick. But there was so much positivity. And now to look at this offense and I mean, we're through two games and fans, rightly so, are talking about will Matt Eberflus get fired? Could he, you know, could Luke Getze lose his job in the middle of the season? And I don't think the Bears are going to make any bold moves like that because they never do in season and, and i've even talked about i mean matt eberflus no one knows his contract but i assume it was a five-year deal Ooh. mark tressman is the only coach who was fired with two years left on his deal in bears history would they potentially if this season collapses kevin warren's the wild card here and that's why i want to get into this eventually could they fire eberflus i mean the fact that we were so positive on September 1st to where we are just, a, you know, not even three weeks later, it's hard to imagine that things fell apart this quickly. Yeah, yeah. People, like, and, and the point that you bring up, like you said, about 13, people for, I think that offense in 2013 finished second in the NFL in scoring. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this, the lack of sustained success, I call them Bill Pop-Up. Well, like I call the successful years pop-up stores, you know, like the things yeah. come up in your neighborhood and you're yeah, like, those Halloween spirit stores or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or like, Oh, there's a saved by the bell commemorative uh, pop-up restaurant. Right. Each pit from 90210 is popping up in your neighborhood for the next two weeks. Like those are like the bears division wins, uh, like the 2001 team or the 0506 sustained success or the 18 team never never to happen again but yes Kevin Warren is the wild card and and I mean like it, it, it like and I even feel dirty in a way playing these mental gymnastics two weeks in like this never should be happening but it is on what's going to happen with this coaching staff because okay if Justin continues to play like this and then you're in a market for a quarterback you can't possibly allow 
this coaching staff to get the new quarterback. Exactly. But but if there is a team who's done it ass backwards, it's the Bears. They've done they've done everything backwards. Right. They've they allowed the last regime as their parting gift to draft Justin, and then Nagy and Pace leave, and then the new coaching staff and new general manager come. And really, if you think about it, Eberflus was like one of the first interviews before Poles was even hired. Bill Polian interviewed Eberflus like first before he even was interviewing general manager candidates. Right. So like they were interviewing coaching candidates before they had a general manager in place. So even though it was a quote Poles hire, they were interviewing coaches. And then so then Poles and and Eberflus get hired. And then a year later, the Bears get a new president. What else have the Bears done backwards? They bought land <laughs> in Arlington Heights, and now they may double back and they may build the new stadium in Chicago. So, like, everything is always done backwards with the Bears. You hope now with the new president, when McCaskies and, and Ted aren't in charge, that things will be run like a big business. And he's been around. He's been with the Rams and the Vikings and the Big Ten. And now, like, if they would have to do anything – that you would do it the right way, and and it would be, it, hopefully, polls would be had done enough where it would be a Warren polls production, but there you could you could drill down on the polls stuff too, and, and and things leave you questioning some stuff. Yeah, you, 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 Kevin Kevin Warren is the wild card, and and I hope I know we've talked about it multiple times on this podcast how important it was to us to have a president that understood football operations. They've done that. They have him in place. And, you know, if he needs to sit George down at the end of the year and go, look, look, if we're pivoting off Justin Fields, we are not keeping Matt Eberflus on this team. You know, Ryan Poles, they'll have to make a, a separate decision. But that's where that needs to be. And I'm hoping that Kevin Warren, I'm hoping George says, Kevin, this is your your team. You, you, you do what you think you have to do. Because it, it's going to be critical that they stop doing things backwards. Like, I've talked about it. I can't think of a regime that got fired after a rookie first-round pick at quarterback. Like, one year in. Unless that quarterback was a complete debacle and everyone was blown out and the new regime knew they were getting. But inheriting a quarterback to develop in year two, like – it makes no sense. It, it, it's just what the Bears keep doing. Like you said, they keep doing everything backwards. You know, you're supposed to hire the president. The president hires the GM. The GM hires the coach. Like, this is how it's supposed to work. And the Bears have done everything completely backwards. So. Right. Right. And so you can't make the same mistake as you did with Fields. So if you are questioning Eberflus and you are making a change at quarterback and you do have these high two first-round picks that polls left you in position to make a choice at quarterback, and if you pick one of these good quarterbacks – you can't let Eberflus and Getze be their guy and then a year later do the same thing that you did with and Eberflus where then you're already putting this quarterback under a new system in year two. It's you're, you're, you're setting them up for failure. So again, like we're going way down the road, but these are all things you got to keep in the back of your head because we've, the bears have never gotten it right. And these are the reasons why they have never gotten it right. 
Yeah, like when you know you you sit there and go, you know, you know, I'm seeing everyone making the lists. You know, you see, you know, Jim Harbaugh into Cade McNown into Rex Grossman into Jay Cutler into Mitch Trubisky into Justin. Like the reason it has not worked for thirty plus years is the organization. At some point, you can't sit there and say there hasn't been. You know, it's just they pick the wrong quarterback every time. There is organizational influence. There has to be. And hopefully, hopefully that's that's changing. So, but, you know, before we get to the, the firings and everything potentially at the end of the year, hopefully that doesn't happen because hopefully things turn around. But let's talk about what's on the field here. And let's start on the offensive side of the ball. That's that's obviously the, the, the critical juncture here. Luke Getze and Justin Fields. I know a lot of Bears fans like it to be black and white, that it's Luke Getze ruining Justin Fields or it's Justin Fields not performing for Luke Getze. We heard those arguments. I was part of those arguments with Matt Nagy and Mitch Trubisky all the time. But to me, this is definitely the left hand and the right hand trying to work together, and both of them are making mistakes. Matt, uh, Matt Eberfuss, Luke Getze has made some awful play calls. I mean, I think the – the game plan was a little better against Tampa, you know, than it, than it was against Green Bay. But I mean, running those screens at the goal line back to back, where Levante David is just like, I, I we couldn't believe they were doing this. The right. same play two times in a row, like that that kind of stuff. But you know, let let's just be fair. Justin Fields is leaving yards on the field. There are guys open. He has talented receivers that are getting open, and he is not seeing it. I mean, the the Roshan Johnson play where he was taking the seam route. And Fields held onto the ball for five or six seconds, and he was open. This was in the second quarter. He was open by 10 yards, and Fields held on the ball for five or six seconds and got sacked. Even he had DJ Moore out in the flat for four yards. Like, there, there were options. And, and I'm wondering, we keep, you know, drilling, and, and I know the coaches are drilling in the Justin Fields that you have to anticipate the guy getting open. And if you see him open, you're too late. And I wonder if that mentality has messed him up where he sees Roshan Johnson open and goes, oh, he's too open, he, that, that, that door's closing. And he's trying to anticipate it, and he's not anticipating. I don't know what's so mixed up in his head, but clearly right now Justin Fields is not the guy that we thought he could be, and it definitely seems to be in between the ears. And, I, and again, I think you got to start there. I mean, I know, look, a lot of things are effed up right now, a lot of things, um, and, 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 and nothing is right with this team. But if he is supposed to be, you know, the him that everyone labeled him, H1M, you know, he's supposed to be the franchise guy. He's got to provide solutions. He's got to be better. He's got to deliver the ball. He's got to plant and throw it on time. We can't keep making excuses for him. He's a big boy. He's got to be better. It starts with him. Like when, when, like if it's good enough for Mitch and Allen Robinson is standing there over the, the field and, and he's open, open is open. Whatever's going on, whoever screwed him up, whether it's who, it, it, it's got, we got to start there. Justin Fields hasn't played good enough and he's got to play better. Um, he checks all the boxes, he's got the arm. He's a smart kid. He works hard. Um, He's got everything you would want in that lab. Something isn't computing, though, on the field. And I don't know what the hell it is. So, yeah. And and look, we played a bite today where, again, this and this, it, it all filters down there from him. But I'm putting him, if I'm making 
uh, whatever, what's the chart? Uh, if I'm making that chart, it starts with M and then it goes down. Like a flow chart? Yeah, the flow chart. It goes down then uh, directly from him. It goes to Getsy then. Um, it, 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 Greg Olson told us a few years ago, and he coaches young players, and he played with Cam Newton, which I think is a good case study too, former MVP, dual threat quarterback. And he, and he told us and he warned us in the offseason. He said, when you're teaching someone to be a better pocket passer, never take away what you hang your hat on. Hmm. And Justin Fields' athleticism is still what he hangs his hat on. And something's been done, whether it's and, – and, and let's not forget that these defensive coordinators have really done a good job scouting the Bears and understanding now – what Justin Fields does. So that maybe some of these things have been taken away, but still, I don't think you can go from doing what he did last year to only three yards rushing. Yeah, you, Baker Mayfield can't have five times as many yards as Justin Fields yeah. on the ground like that. That's just not, not a possible possibility to be a thing. Exactly. So, so like, it, it, like, and there, there's a lot there too. And like, I like after all that momentum in the first drive, Another example is it's it's second and long, and and then and then you 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 have to force it to Valus Jones. I don't know why he was active. I don't know why he's on the fifty-three. Yeah, Saint, Saint Brown needed to be active. It was it was an obvious call. They needed outside blocking in this game. I, it was crazy about it. And and like when we joke today, when Valus Jones comes in, there's might as well be a siren over his head. <laughs> like why else is he in the game? It's it, it's alert alert alert. And, 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 and then it's third and long. So it's just dumb. It took all momentum away. And, and then what the line have issues. Uh, the, I, where is, where, where's Tyler Scott? Where, uh, where is, um, where is uh, uh, the other tight end that they signed from green? Robert Tunyon. Yeah, Tunyon. Where's Tunyon? Like there are so many guys that I want to know where they are that they have Darnell Mooney before he got hurt. Wasn't isn't targeted enough. There's just, whether it's Justin, whether it's Getsy, things are broken right now. Yeah. They're, they're broken a hundred percent, but this is what I keep saying. And this is the point I keep pressing. And I think you were kind of alluding to it here with Justin Fields, the, the arguments, the, the, the supporters of Mitch Trubisky to the end, you kept hearing say, well, the offensive line wasn't good enough. Who's he got the ball to throw to, you know, Matt Nagy's trying to change him. Like, I get that. So you, you've got all these reasons why Mitch is failing. But if the offensive line needs to be fantastic and the weapons need to be fantastic and the offensive scheme needs to be fantastic, well, then you don't have a, a franchise quarterback. And with Justin Fields now, we're entering this season. Last year, nobody did him any favors. We, we get that. The, the, the talent around him was awful. What happened to him as a rookie was awful. I get the behind the eight ball kind of situation he's been in the last two years. But coming into this year, You've got, you know, with, with Claypool, Mooney, and more, with, with Komet and Tanyan, with a good, you know, young, cheap running back room. Yes. The talent is there. The offensive line, it still has problems. But Darnell Wright's looked okay. Right guard has looked okay, you know, depending on who's, who's out there. You know, center, not good. White hair hasn't been good. You know, a lot of penalties from Braxton Jones here. The offensive line hasn't been great. But. At some point, like Joe Burrow, his and he blew out his leg doing it, but Joe Burrow as a rookie stood behind an atrocious offensive line 
and look good. Like if you're the franchise guy, you have to overcome some deficiencies. Tom, yes. And there's enough around fields. Now there are still deficiencies and you can question Getsy. I, I get all that, but there's enough there that we should be seeing more and there need to be alarm bells. And I think there are now, I think, after week one, it was it's only one game, even if it's the Packers. But I think a lot of Bears fans now are all in this situation of yikes. It is, we, we we might be in 2019 all over again, cycling, you know, with a quarterback that we know isn't the guy. Bill, I covered a lot of bad Bears teams when I was a reporter. So I was I started in 95. Um, and I was on the beat for Rick Meyer, which you just mentioned. Um, so first I got Kramer, which was with a couple of good years then. And then he got hurt. And then they, and then Wani was chasing it. And then he made he made the the trade for Meyer. And at camp, I knew right away Rick Meyer could not play. He was skipping passes. It was bad. I I knew right away when they drafted Cade McNown, and I was standing in Platteville, and I was watching him try to throw the football. Couldn't play. I knew right then. So the point of this is I've watched a lot of camp practices. I trust my eyes. And I know when it's just camp and we shouldn't, when we should dismiss stuff. And I know when you kind of got to say to yourself, hmm, something's wrong here. So this is the first camp that I've, I've gone to a lot, uh, the most since I was a reporter. And I walked into mini camp and I was surprised by how bad the offense looked. I filed it away. So I, I show up to training camp and seven on seven, 11 on 11, didn't look good. Next next training camp practice, same stuff. So I started reporting it on the air. People were getting mad at me. Sure. Doing this for clicks. Sylvie, you're doing this for radio show. You, you, you know, no one wants this more than me. We, we're in the first year of the Bears uh, a contract on ESPN 1000. Right. Three game show. I'm doing halftime. I'm a lifelong Bears fan. Uh, I want them to win. We just talked about the history of being a Bears fan. We want sustained success. I wanted to show up and love this team and love the offense. I knew DJ Moore was great. Walked into the training camp practice and I knew right away that DJ Moore could play. Bill, I was watching seven on sevens where there's no pass rush in seven on sevens for those who don't know. Justin Fields would hold the football for five seconds before he would throw it in seven on seven. That's a sack. And, and it would go down as the completion and there would be some fanboys sitting in the, in the bleachers and they would chart it. Justin Fields went 10 of 11 in seven on seven. But if you really knew, he would take five seconds to find a guy. And then the guy he would find would be a check down. That's not winning offense. And then once 11 on 11 came and then they would have a, a regular offense, uh, offense and defense. And by the way, many of these practices, the bears, number one offense was going against the twos. They were going against the two defense and they, they weren't doing anything bill. And I said to myself, what's going on. And so when I said, opening up this pod, I said to you, a lot of this has shocked me, but there have been some things with Justin that I wondered what the hell is going on since back to training camp. And I can't shake watching those multiple training camp practices 
that I watched in, in the end of July and all through August. Yeah, and and I talked to you know I talked to some of the guys on the beat and try and get a feel for what's going on because I'm I'm stuck out in New York right now. But the the and that was the thing. And I think a lot of fans, you know, they they just wanted to put the blinders on and and just look. It's practice. There's always going to be some positives, especially so you tweet out, you know, Justin Fields with a beautiful 35 yard pass down the corner to DJ Moore. That's the one that gets retweeted 550 times, and that's what people think is happening nonstop. But, you know, you're you're talking about that it was even, you know, longer with these offensive issues. But, you know, guys I talked to said when the pads went on, the offense just completely sputtered. And I think that's the when there was actually a pass rush, right? And it was Justin was actually having to do things within the body of, of a quote-unquote game. It was alarming, and a lot of people didn't want to hear it, didn't want to believe it. You know, I had Aaron Lemming on, and we do a, a season preview every year with him. And we talked about it, like going into it, it was 10 days before the Packers game. We're like, I don't like the vibe of this team right now. That just something felt off, and it was preseason and training camp, and we're trying to say, no, it's just preseason and training camp. You're looking too much into it. But, I mean, to me, when we're talking about how flat everything is and, and the issues everything has, you know, I, you know, we always talk about how it rots at the head, and I understand that's McCaskey, but for on the field here, it's Matt Eberflus, and this is a guy I know that talent was lacking last year. This is a guy that's got three career wins here in 19 games. They've lost, what, 12 straight? And I, I said they, they've lost 12 straight in those 12 games. They've given up 25 or more points in every loss. 25 or more in every loss. And this is a defensive coach. This is a defensive coach who got the first two picks in 2022 were defensive players. Three out of the first four in 2023 were defensive players. You spent a lot of money on two linebackers. You went out and got a, you know, a versatile defensive lineman with Walker. You went out and you spent money on Ngakwe. I understand the defensive line isn't where it needs to be, but Sylvie, Matt Eberflus here as the CEO and the defensive minded head coach, he is failing in both right now. And I don't think, I think one of the bad vibes that I had too is nobody practiced. Like it, everyone thinks that Chris Jones you just can flip a switch because Chris Jones is one of the best players in the league and he could come out of a contract dispute and just roll out of bed and get a sack and a half. The Bears don't have Chris Jones. The Bears have a bunch of players who needed to practice. They were a bad football team working on a losing streak. The Bears needed to be on the football field practicing and they had a bunch of guys who may have been available for week one, but they weren't ready to play week one. Jaquan Brisker is still showing you that, that he did not have a camp. Jaquan Brisker was dehydrated midway through right. the first quarter. Yep. Midway through the first quarter, he did not have a camp. And it's showing. He said, what, what rubbed me the wrong way, and I like Jaquan Brisker. I think he's a really good player. He said they needed that punch against the Packers. Are you kidding me? Working on a 10-game losing streak and the way they've been dominated to the Packers, they needed it. And then in game two, Jaquan Brisker is dehydrated in the midway through the first quarter. Okay, if it's 92 degrees and in the fourth quarter and, and something you're not holding up because you've been on the field for 35 minutes to the Bears 25, fine. It's the first quarter, bro. Like I Yeah. And, and it's so maddening, and I want to love my football team. Let's start there before we even talk about putting win, a win streak together, winning a game. But right now, they're just so maddening. 
Yeah, it's it, it's really frustrating. Like you, you bring up that getting winded, like the Miami game in 2018 where Brock Eisweiler had the huge second half because the offense wasn't getting off the field for the defense, and eventually they just were completely gassed. And like that kind of stuff happens. But you're right, and that was the thing. There was there's just guys that just don't look ready to play. Like Tremaine Edmonds got much better from week one to week two because Edmonds didn't play. Brisker already looked a little better once he got back out on the field. Nate Davis, and I understand Nate Davis had, had some really sad personal issues going on, and that kept him out for a lot of training camp. But Nate Davis, a rough week one, and maybe his head wasn't completely into it. But again, you see, again, Lucas Patrick, is, maybe he's just bad, but Lucas Patrick, same guy. These guys that weren't playing are not coming out of the gate playing well, and, and it's, it's a major problem. Eddie but, didn't have a camp too, remember. What's that? Eddie Jackson did. Yeah, that's another one. And now, like, he was batting game one, and now he's hurting game two. Yeah. And it's, yeah, the hit, hits principles and all this, if they're not if they're not practicing, they're not on the field, they're, they're tough to instill those principles. Right. So let, let me wrap up with this one. I appreciate all the time. Mark Silverman, Sylvia, of course, with us. Better chance to be here in 2024 if it's just one of them, Justin Fields or Matt Eberflus? I think they're tied at the because I think if Fields is here, Eberflus is here. That's probably true. So, so I think it's Fields. So I think yeah, because I think that if 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 Fields isn't here, Eberflus isn't here. So I think I I think it's it's got to be then Fields. You know what I mean? Because I don't know how Eberflus survives if it's not if it's not Fields. So. It's either fields or no one. Yeah, no, I I get that. It you know, it's just it's just one of those things that you just sit there and I you know I I hope I can trust Kevin Warren to do the right thing because I can't trust George McCaskey to do the right thing. Yeah, you know, if Matt Eberflus needs to go, but it's he's got three years left on his contract, so we're going to give him another year to see if he can right the ship. That's the worst possible thing. So I hope Kevin Warren is the guy to step in, George. You did this in 2021. You kept two guys around that you shouldn't have, and we're still feeling those repercussions here in 2023 and potentially in the 2024. We have to do this the right way. Well, Bill, go back. I mean, uh, Emery had to keep loving, right? I mean, you you can play this game uh, all the way through. Pace had to had to hire Fox. You know, like there there are so many dumb things that have been done because someone at the top didn't understand things. So hopefully if, if things do go into the can, which I hope they don't, but if they do, someone at the top is smart enough to not repeat the same mistake again. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And it was what was so frustrating with the Bill Polian thing, whether you respect his football knowledge or not. I mean, it was Ernie Accorsi all over again because there was no one in the organization with the ability to make these hires. Now there is. So we're going to see if things start changing for the better. You know, I, I, talking to guys on the beat, they they starting to see things, even like food in the press box. Yeah. Like there are things improving around the organization that that Kevin Warren is working at one by one. So obviously we got to we got to deal with the stuff on the field first, Kevin. So let's make sure we get that right. But he is Mark Silverman, Sylvie of course from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN and make sure you check out his columns in Shaw Media. Those drop every Wednesday. Uh usually I think it's 
early Thursday morning. Early Thursday. Okay. So make sure. Yes. Make sure you can check out those columns as well. And of course, Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000, Monday to Friday every week. Sylvie, thanks for so much time. That was a lot of fun. Even if it was a rough conversation, appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, Bill. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is. Sylvie, everybody. Always a great conversation with Sylvie. And I wish he was more positive. I wish I was more positive, but this is the reality of the situation. This is the reality of this football team. So I wanted to start something this week. We're going to try and do this every week if I'm intelligent enough to remember to actually send out the tweet. I want to start working in some some fans into this podcast. Best way to do it, obviously I don't have a hotline to call in, is through Twitter. So again, I'm at Bill T. Zimmerman on Twitter. I will send out a little notification each week to hit me up with some questions, and I will answer a few of them at the end of the podcast. Because what do I do? I just kind of talk about the interview and then give you a prediction and get out. So I figured I have a little substance here on the back portion of this interview, you know, interview-based podcast and get, and get to some fan reaction and some fan questions. So that's what we're going to start doing. So we're going to start with it here. We're going to start with Barry, who asks, do you think Justin Fields will be the Bears quarterback next season? I think that is still up in the air, Barry, but right now, the way this is trending, I am saying it is going to be a no. Justin Fields will not be the quarterback as of right now. That is certainly subject to change, but if he plays at this level, because I think his performance in week one and week two are pretty comparable. We didn't see, you know, he improved a couple of things, more downfield throws in week two, but he stopped running the football. If we're not seeing that dangerous quarterback who's definitely trending in the right direction to becoming a franchise quarterback. Like these two games alone, I think the possibility of extending fields this upcoming offseason is over. Fifth-year option and let him play out another year, of course that's on the table. But extending him right away to a $270 million extension, as far as I could tell, that's off the table already, even if he plays spectacularly well because of the fact that you're just not sure exactly what you have here with him. So right now, I'm going to put it at about a 60-65% likelihood that Justin Fields is not the quarterback next season. This is trending. Look, the Carolina Panthers are 0-2. This is trending towards the fact that the Bears could have two very high draft picks next year because of their poor play and the Panthers' poor play. So I think... We're definitely up in the air on that one, but right now it is really hard to say yes to that question, Barry, unfortunately. How about City Bear, who says, if you were in Kevin Warren's position and you decided to fire Fluss at the end of the season, would you keep Poles? I think Ryan Poles is getting a second head coach. And the reason I think that is kind of the same reason Ryan Pace got a second head coach. Ryan Pace didn't really get to pick John Fox and Ryan Poles didn't really get to pick Matt Eberflus. So all Ryan Poles, when he sits down, Kevin Warren goes, look, I was able to do this, this, and this with this franchise. Yeah, you know, Justin Fields was the quarterback I had to work with. We need to pivot from him. Like Ryan Poles can pretty easily argue to keep his job. Now, if Kevin Warren goes into George McCaskey's office and says, this is my team, I'm the president, we are blowing out Ryan Poles, we are blowing out Matt Eberflus, and we are starting over, we're getting a quarterback, a head coach, and a GM, my guys, and we're going to build this thing back up. I hope George says, okay, Kevin, it's your team, you do what you got to do. 
I don't know if George is going to do that. I don't know if George is going to be like, well, we got to give Ryan more time. It's only been two seasons. It's unfair. I think Ryan Poles, if Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus are not back in 2024, I think Ryan Poles gets a quarterback and a head coach. And at that point, three years from then, if if those don't work, then, yeah, we're certainly going to see a pivot off of Ryan Poles. But until then, I think Ryan Poles gets a second head coach, one that he actually gets to pick, and him and his his scouts pick a quarterback, whether that's Caleb Williams, Drake May, Shadur Sanders, J.J. McCarthy. There's going to be a quarterback available in the top 10 for the Bears to take. It'll be interesting to see if we get to that point. All right, how about Monster of the Tri-State? Do you see a scenario where Luke Getze gets fired after we lose to the Chiefs and go 0-3? No, I do not. Do I see a situation where Luke Getze gets fired this year? Absolutely. But after the Chiefs game, no, I don't think so. I think that's too early. I think we need to be at least five or six games into this thing before something like that could happen. Because keep this in mind. When they asked Matt Eberflus about, and I understand that Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles will be involved in this decision. But when they asked Matt Eberflus about those terrible screens at the end of the game that ended up in the pick six, he said they were good calls. He did not defend his quarterback. He defended his offensive coordinator. So keep that in mind. He is more in Luke Getze's corner right now than he is in Justin Fields' corner. You want to say that's a bad position to be in? That's fine. But right now, I would say way too early for Luke Getze to get fired after three games. Jonathan Wood, why are you the way that you are? The Steve Carell gif. Well, Wood, I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. We are Bears fans. We signed up for this. Some of us signed up for it when we were tricked into thinking this was a good organization. When we were children, like, like myself, and saw Walter Payton and a stout defense and this team winning 14, 15 games at a time. We thought this was a good organization. We were fooled. We did not know what was coming at the hands of Ed, Michael, and George McCaskey. And it has been a woeful stretch with one Super Bowl appearance and I think two back-to-back winning seasons since the 90s. This is as pathetic as it gets as a franchise. But we signed up for it, so here we are. That's what we get. We didn't pick the Packers. We didn't pick the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era Patriots. We didn't pick the Steelers. We picked the Chicago Bears. And I'll finish this last one. Chase says, should Janico or Tolbert call plays? Well, Luke Getzey's going to continue to call plays, but if Luke Getzey is fired, I'd have to go Janico on that one. I just, I, I don't have a, a real feel for that one way or the other, but that would be my guess, is go with the quarterback. You know, go with the quarterback coach. That's the way I feel. Again, am I confident on that? No, but if they make an in-season firing, that to me would be the direction that they head. So we'll wrap up this podcast with the prediction that we always do. Bears going to Arrowhead to face the Kansas City Chiefs. What an upset it will be. No, 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 no. Uh, Matt Nagy revenge game? Oh, yeah. Because here's what I'll say. Patrick Mahomes, we know, was motivated. He, used, you know, he put up the draft pick fingers. 
you know, the last time he played the Bears, he was motivated to beat the snot out of Chicago. Now, is he still motivated to prove that that draft pick was a mistake? No, I think he's proven his point. But he loves Matt Nagy. I know that for a fact. They have a fantastic relationship. Matt Nagy just got fired by the Bears, and now Patrick Mahomes has an opportunity to drop a lot of points for his offensive coordinator on his former team, and I absolutely think Patrick Mahomes will be motivated to do that. I think the Chiefs are cracking 40 points. I do. I think it is going to be bad. I think the Bears might score a little late to make this look a little better than it actually is. But I am going with the score of Chiefs 44, Bears 20. I think it is that ugly. And hopefully after next week, we can pivot and start talking about some winnable games because there's not one this week. That's going to do it for Bears Banter. We'll talk to you next week. Bear down, everybody, and hang in there. Can't get much worse, can it? Adios.